Since I'm expecting, along with my wife, uh, an addition to the family, a blessing from God, I've been preparing myself mentally for dealing with another infant. I've been preparing to have to get up every two hours in the middle of the night. I I, I remember when my son was born and and, uh, it it was about 2.30 in the morning one day and I was holding him and feeding him and I remember saying to myself, who does this twice? (laughs) Apparently me. And then some. So I've been mentally preparing myself. I've been figuring out what we're going to do about car seats. And I've been preparing myself to get up on a regular basis in the middle of the night. I've, I've been preparing myself to, to realize that when the baby sleeps, that's probably when I need to get my sleep too. I've been preparing myself for all of this. But the one thing I kind of got stuck on, and it's amazing that this passage of scripture came up in the lectionary at the same time I was getting stuck on thinking about this. It's amazing how the Holy Spirit works like this, but I was wondering to myself, when can I start putting cereal in the baby's bottle? When can I start adding that extra cereal to the bottom, but to, because I, oh, I'm a, I guess I must be the only one that don't want their baby to go to sleep on a regular basis and try to. I, I, it must just be me, okay. But I was wondering when can I go from just plain milk to something a little more heavier, something that'll stick to the stomach. And I was thinking about that because not only is, is, is being able to feed a child an opportunity to get more rest, but it's also a sign of the child's growth. My son can demolish a plate of food. I have no idea where he gets that from. No, no idea. But we're starting to have a little problem because he'll start to finish his food and then he want to start looking at his daddy's plate. This ain't what you want, Johnny. But it's a sign of growth. I couldn't give him the food I give him now at the hospital when he was first born. So what you are able to digest is a sign of growth. It's a sign of maturity. It's a sign that you are not in the same stage you were in the beginning. 
And that is what the Apostle Paul is trying to talk about when he writes to this church in Corinth. Corinthians, and he's trying to talk to them about growing in Christ. He's trying to talk to them about moving from milk to meat. Uh, And he says that he wants to give them the solid meat of the word, but they are still worldly. They are still in the flesh. They are still worried about things that don't move the church forward. Uh, One theologian said that bickering is a sign of a lack of maturity, but the ability to move past those issues is a sign of maturity. Another one said that one of the great shames of the church is that God has all these children and none of them want to talk to each other. Can you imagine growing up in the same house and then severing that relationship I'm not sure of the dynamics in here, but some of us may have had to experience that. And it's painful. It's not only painful for the siblings that don't talk to each other anymore, but it's also painful for the parents. My dad would say all the time about various things that now is a time for family. Because in the end, family will be all you have. And so here we have this church that is having a disagreement. And they're not willing to talk to each other. I am fan, I am a fan of certain letters in 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 the New Testament because they all, you know, you have your gospels which talk about what Jesus did and what Jesus said. And then you have Revelation that tells you that Jesus is coming back and how we are supposed to operate in between. But then in between all of that, you have these letters. Paul would go out and start a church, get the church going, and then the church would have some church mess. There'd be disagreements over who could be in the church and who couldn't. There'd be disagreements on what you had to go through in order to be considered a member of the church. Any of this sound familiar? They had different, different disagreements about various classes of people in the church. And people arguing over who would get fed first in a meal before communion. It's amazing that something could be written over 2,000 years ago and we still have some of these problems today. We still have disagreements. We still have arguments. We may not be arguing over circumcision anymore or whether or not you needed to become a Jew first then convert to Christ or whether or not Gentiles could actually be in. We may not be arguing over dietary restrictions or festivals anymore, but we still have our arguments. Young versus old. Traditional worship versus contemporary worship. White versus black. We still have these disagreements and we'll spend more time arguing about the disagreement than we will actually moving something forward. I was amazed watching uh, one of our own jurisdictional elections. I love being Methodist. 
But sometimes it tries my patience. And I recall a few years back, they were having a jurisdictional election for a bishop. And the rules state that if you have an election, you need 30 minutes afterwards in order to confer before you have that next election because they don't just run a ballot and everybody who gets the top votes gets in. Whoever gets the ballot has to get a certain percentage of the votes there. And so if you need 600 out of 1,000 people to vote for you and 599 people vote for you and then the next person in second place got 400 votes or less, uh, it's not an election. They keep going over and over again until each person gets the right amount. So something that could be done with one simple valid may take three or four days. And so they have this rule, and I was watching the jurisdictional election, and, and, and uh, somebody got elected bishop real early. And they got elected bishop so early that the crowd said, well, we got one election down very quickly, than, more quickly than we thought, so let's go to another one. And they said, okay, well, we need a motion on the floor. And then somebody stood up and said, no, we need a motion to suspend the rules. And then somebody else stood up and said, we need a motion on how we're supposed to vote on how we vote. And they spent 20 minutes going back and forth about how we were supposed to handle it, that they ended up doing it. And then they had the election and nobody else was elected again. So they had to take the 30 minute break anyway. Spent an hour and a half trying to save 30 minutes. Why? Because they wanted to bicker over different things. I recall going to, uh, it was either premarital counseling or new members class, but either one of them, they, they both really kind of the same. But uh, <laughs> I remember the instructor talking about an argument he got into with his wife uh, over black-eyed peas. <laughs> and the argument was, did somebody see somebody who had gotten injured in their eye and said that your eye looks like this black eye pea, so we're going to call it a black eye? Or did somebody see this bean with the spot in the middle and saw somebody else's black eye and said, we're going to call this uh, the, the, the bean black eye peas? And they were arguing basically over which came first the black eye or the black eye peas, which one was named first, and they went back and forth, and he had gotten the whole class into the argument. And when everybody had taken sides and decided on which they thought had come first, he said, that's a silly thing to be arguing about. <laughs> you put enough people on the side of different things, we'll figure out a way to argue about it. And, when, and the point is, is that when you, when you get focused and tied up on these things, you can't get the work done. Amen. Had a buddy of mine that was preaching uh, not too long ago, and he was at a men's breakfast, and he said, I'm old school. And he said, you know what I'm old school means? It means that if I brought the paper plates to the potluck, my name needs to be in the bulletin. Sometimes we get caught up on the titles. Sometimes we get caught up on the positions. And the work never actually gets done. 
So Paul is saying that I want to move on to some of the deeper things, but we can't get past the nominations committee report. Amen, microphone. Amen, microphone. Amen, lamp. And so his criticism is that he wants to move forward, but he still can't move forward because we get caught up in our positions. I've got to be the president of this. I've got to chair this committee. I've got to be on this deal. I've got to decide what's my input matters. And meanwhile, we have communities around us that don't know we exist. Or know we exist and don't want nothing to do with us because they don't want to do with this fight. And so we need to move past the milk and move on to the meat. We need to be in the word. We need to be living the word. We need to be recruiting others and making other disciples. That's what Jesus told us to do, to go forth and make disciples and get them baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in Matthew 28. Not argue about whether or not we sing out the blue hymnal or the red hymnal. And so he's here and he's got this criticism of him and he moves on from criticism to correction. Let the church say correction. Uh, yes, he says, you're still worldly, for since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere humans? When one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are we not mere human beings? Are we spending too much time focusing on the created thing and not the creator? Are we spending more time worried about the title Instead of actually making some triumphs in this world. Uh, and he talks about Paul and Apollos and he says that they are looking to men like Paul and Apollos instead of Christ. Uh, Apollos, according to Acts, was an Alexandrian Jew tutored in the faith by Priscilla and Aquila. Uh, let me stop right there. I got a bit of a pet peeve. I'm just, this ain't in the sermon, but. I got trigger words, and certain trigger words make me think about certain things, and I figure I might as well. But we don't have this problem in the United Methodist system as bad as some others. But but uh, Priscilla and Aquila, that that that's a a husband and wife team running a church. I say that's a husband and wife team running a church. I say, that's a husband and wife team running a church. We're going to step off of the milk for a minute and get into the meat. Here you have some people, a man and a woman, running a church. But there are those out there that will not allow a woman to occupy this sacred space. What is the gospel? Again, I say we don't have this problem here at Faith, but uh, just just putting it out there. But what is the gospel? 
uh, we, we talk about, I believe, in Jesus Christ, who was born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, crucified, died, and buried the third day. He rose from, the, and, and, and he's coming back, right? right? Okay, and he's seated at the right hand of the Father, right? Right, okay. So, born of a virgin. Who was there for that? A woman. <laughs> crucified, dead, and buried. A woman rose again on the third day. My Bible says that women went to the tomb and found an empty tomb. And then it goes on to say that they were told to go tell the disciples. So if we being technical about it, the very first Easter sermon was preached by a woman. So how can they be there to tell, how is it good enough for the disciples, but it's not good enough for a denomination? And so here we have somebody who was trained by a man and a woman. And other people in other churches following this man around, Apollos and Alexandrian Jew, who, who came to the faith and his teaching. So if it's good enough for him, why is it not good enough for us? And I, and I know we have some Bible scholars that like to go to the whole women are to seek to keep silent in the church and I would love to spend some time just exegeting the text and understanding that that particular church had some, some, some noisy issues. And this was not about don't preach. This was about don't interrupt the service. And so while we were not talking about women talking, to they were talking about don't keep mess up in the church. Spend some time on some meat. Milk tastes all right. Goes down easy, doesn't take much to digest, but meat takes a little time to digest. You eat a steak, it slows your heart down. And so he says that this, they are looking for reasons to divide. Some are following Paul in the church, big C Christian church, and some are following Apollos. And while Paul and Apollos don't divide over this, other people have found a way to divide over it. We can find some ways to divide over things. We can find some ways to divide over how we're supposed to dress in church. What ministries get top priority on the budget? Which ministries get top preference? Which ministries get announced as all, which ministries get their events announced from the pulpit as announcements out of the pastor's mouth and which ones just stay in the bulletin unprinted? I mean printed rather. We can find some things to fight over. just spent some time at the district training and you'd be surprised over some of the stuff that they got divided over. Particularly in the pastors only sessions. Young pastors versus old pastors. Black churches versus white churches. 
And when the bishop started talking about he wants to see African-American churches grow, someone stood up and the very first thing they said was is we should discard race. That's a sermon for another Sunday, but I'm saying we find things to debate over. We find things to divide ourselves over instead of marching forward in the kingdom. Do we sing this kind of song or that kind of song? Do we wear robes or not? Do we have a dress code? Do we have to start at 11 o'clock? And I'm not saying I've even died. I ain't been here long enough to see any arguments in this church. But I'm saying church overall. We find things to divide over. And so he's telling us that after all, we are all only servants. And through these servants, we came to believe in the Greek. It's the same word that they come up with that we get deacon from. And they're servants. We're supposed to have a heart of service. And each person is supposed to do their own specific task. Paul says he planted the seed. Apollos watered the seed. They're both equally important jobs. Ah, one body but different parts. If, if Paul doesn't plant the seed, all Apollos is doing is making mud. If Apollos doesn't water the seed, all we've done is waste some grain. Everybody has their own job to do, and we all ought to be focused on our own thing. Sweeping around our own front porches, minding our own business, doing what we need to do to move the church forward. Because one plants and one waters, but they all will be awarded, rewarded rather, into their own labor. And so his scriptural view of the Christian leaders is what the leaders can do is we can only sow and water the seed. But we are all co-workers working towards the same purpose. Because it's not about the person sitting here with the microphone. It's about the God that put us both here. God put me in the pulpit and God put you all in the pews. But that don't mean that it can't change at any given time. I ought not get all caught up in the title just because people call me pastor. Matter of fact, you really wouldn't want to be up here. Bible says that we're going to be judged more harshly. So we ought not be running to chase titles. We ought to be running to get the work done. Because at the end of the day, we could fight about being uh, uh, having our name on the program, but nine times out of ten, the program is going to end up on the floor anyway. I had somebody give me a piece of advice that made me uh, understand and put a whole lot more stuff into perspective. Uh, there was a couple things that I was upset about because they weren't going the way that I'd want them to go. And they happened to actually be planning a program and different people were showing up later. Certain We had technical difficulties and going on and one of my mentors sat me down and said, well, is all of that going to matter in 500 years? And the answer was no. The only part of that program that was going to matter in 500 years is that some of the kids ended up coming to Christ. Amen. 
And that's what we ought to be focusing on. Because it's not, nothing is growing through our own labor. God can use whomever he wants to, whenever he wants to. We're just all willing vessels. We're co-workers. We're coming to punch in the clock and do our part. Not being concerned about who's got the big title, big I's and little U's, who's in charge of what and who's get to run what. It's all about doing the work of Christ. Because we are all co-workers in God's service. Jesus did not go to the cross so that you could be chairman of the SPRC. Jesus did not go to the cross so you could run the trustee board. When they were whipping him with the cat of nine tails, he wasn't worried about who your bishop was. Ah, when they took him to Calvary, they weren't worried about what's your position on transubstantiation or what's your position on, on the tribulation time. All of these things that we've decided and divided over and argued about. Jesus was not worried about that. When they hung him on that cross, nobody was asking what is your position on different denominational divides or which book of discipline you were going to come up under. He died for our sins. And he rose again so that we could all have access to God. And not have access or not have our, our straight on path to death, hell, and the grave. And so that's what we ought to be focused on. Not about the titles. Not about the promotions or the positions. Not about who's being out front and who's working behind the scenes. We get caught up in choking on the milk when we need to get to the meat of the subject. What are we doing for Christ? I'll never forget seeing Russell Simmons on 97.9 The Box one day, a man who's made hundreds and hundreds of millions of dollars on hip-hop music talking to a man who plays hip-hop music for a living and asking him what were the, the top songs six months ago. And nobody in the studio could remember. And these are people who have made a living off of these things. But all of this stuff comes and goes. But 2,000 years ago, a man stepped out of eternity, put on human flesh, lived a life that none of us could live knew no sin the one who knew no sin took on all the sin of the world it's a reason this is the best selling book of all time it's a reason that we can deny a lot of stuff but you can't deny the existence of Christ it's a reason because only what you do for Christ will last kings and kingdoms will all fade away but there is something about that name Jesus there is something about that name, Jesus, that gives a staying power. There's something about that man, Jesus, that makes me want to rock in the midnight hour. There's something about that name, Jesus, Waymaker, heart fixer, mind regulator, sustainer, king of kings, lord of lords, prince of peace, wonderful counselor, everlasting father. Only what you'll do for him will last. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the doors of the church are open, and we invite you to come. <laughs>